0: Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve.
1: Recording in progress. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the trying to be better podcast with joel and steve steve is laughing and i love it every time hi uh my name is joel and i'm steve and this is a podcast and it's a very special podcast i'm I'm putting on my best npr voice this is a this is a special podcast because we have a very special guest who has been with us from the beginning this particular person gave us our first fan art continues to uh Lob, I, loving, loving criticisms from the from the cheap seats
0: and our first uh, monetary gain donation yes.
1: piece. The, this this we're individual all,
0: we're on the way we're on the way. This,
1: this individual started the track towards the Lamborghini money. That's and right. I, just, I couldn't be more grateful. Well, it, uh, you know,
0: it takes a lot. It takes a lot to get on the show and bribery will get you everywhere.
1: All the way to the top. That's right. Disgustingly enough. Uh, do we have any other stuff to go over, Steve? I don't know. We... I mean, always, but no. Uh, find us on Instagram, trying to be a better podcast. Email the show, please, at ttbbpodcast at gmail.com. Venmo us at Joel dash Egger or Steve dash to support our uh, somebody, are you, somebody. Are you are you dash or dot? I'm dash, dude. Okay, I'm dash. I think uh, dash, somebody too. also gave, and I was able to conjure some or collapse. I don't even know. Uh, conflate? I don't know. <laughs> Put <laughs> money together into a d- digital bag and send it to Steve to contribute to the hosting hey, of this. Joel, thing. you
0: did. Did I acknowledge that?
1: I think you I liked I, it. I, yeah, yeah I like, like,
0: big thumbs up. Yeah. So thank you for doing that. that I think so that, yes, yeah.
1: thank you to our contributors to keeping our. It's kind of uh,
0: like it's kind of like paying child support. <laughs>
1: It's exactly It's exactly like paying child support. You're absolutely right. I'm that sorry. That's the perfect analogy, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to send it off. You don't know where it goes. You hope it's going to the right place, but it might uh, be going to cigarettes and Diet Coke. You never know. You never
0: know. Oh, boy. Matt, are well, you still here?
1: Uh, our guest hasn't left, so we better... <laughs> get to that before he takes off um th- this particular individual i've known for a while and um i am grateful that he is in my life for a lot of reasons he's a good dude he's a good musician he's a good just all-around community member and uh he's a good friend and i am grateful that he's finally and he's a great longtime listener of this podcast and it's an honor to have him on will you please give a big TTBB welcome to matt Martinowski? welcome matt
2: hello fellas that was hey, uh, that matt. was a good welcome Matt, like npr sort of thing is yes. this are we doing um i'm taking over already good. are we like changing the name to this episode of like trying to be better at hate podcast or anything like that sure yes sure. Uh, ragging on uh everything as i do
1: yeah what would you like to what, what would you Look. like to rag on first matt do you have any do you have any? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any qualms with the podcast past episodes you'd like to? Oh, yeah, please. At? We'd love to hear your criticisms.
2: Uh, you know, at one point <laughs> I had this like list of things that I was going to go over with you guys if I ever oh, got on this man. podcast. And well, I'm glad we waited. I, I well, I don't have that list, so <laughs> um, but ironically, I or I, I don't know if it's ironic. When you guys started, I was working on a bedroom in my house. And then yesterday I was also working on that same bedroom in my house. So have we helped
1: you or hindered you from finishing that project?
2: Right. Uh, You know, there's, there's some uh, things that have come up that I, 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 I sit and daydream about what I would say negative stuff, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I don't know helped standard both
1: we've been with you
2: (laughs) and i've been with you through the whole journey
0: i don't know who's more fortunate
1: i think we are i mean the fact that the fact that matt consistently listens to something at all i think is i think is a is an endorsement that it that he likes it because if you didn't like it you would have told us to fuck off a long time loved us but said, I can't listen to that shit anymore, right? is that accurate?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm very, obviously, very vocal in the things that I do not enjoy. (laughs) We'll get to that later. More on that Yeah, One of
1: those being John Mayer. I can't wait to get to that. But
0: Uh, I I have to admit, I'm a little envious of your t-shirt. For those of you that can't see it, Matt is wearing a black t-shirt with basic block lettering that says Grateful Dead shirt with a skull on it and (laughs) tie-dye. (laughs) <laughs> I love it.
2: I have a uh, two Grateful Dead shirts. This one, and then another one that this dude in Arizona made that has all these like. It's basically like a a black metal shirt with a steel your face like pentagram. Nice situation. So I don't own any actual like, you know, tie dye
1: or no no marching bears dancing or... bears. Yeah yeah Hmm. that's funny because when i first talked to steve about the grateful dead when i saw the steely i thought it was i mean because of my conservative christian upbringing i was i just thought that skulls meant satan right Right. so like when i saw the Steel your face i was like oh they must be a you know the devil worshiping band so the the pentagram in the steely is the perfect it is for me
2: that's funny. the The first time I saw Grateful Dead stuff growing up, like listening to punk rock and noise rock, I just thought the uh, the Steely was a symbol of being a loser or
1: uh, <laughs> just
2: just garbage music. <laughs> uh, and you
1: came around, didn't you?
2: I did. You know, I had I had that. Uh, if you're in your 40s or older. I'm sure a lot of people went through that like Americana early 2000s late 90s phase, uh, and I picked up Working Man's Dead, and that kind of changed it for me. I am mm. in no ways you, Steve. I can't like December 31st, 1972. Very few
0: people are, and it's fine. It's the, the, I'm like a savant,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> or just you know obsessed
1: obsessed right um well speaking of like origin stories matt let's start where where are you from like you're from are you you're originally from nebraska right
2: yeah i am uh first six years i was in greenwood and then we moved mm-hmm. to waverly as my uh as my parents expanded the family mm-hmm. and then i spent the rest of my time in greenwood arch or- and spent the rest of my time in Waverly. Uh, or kind of like Havelock. That's where my aunt and uncle and cousins lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, until my early 20s. And then I moved out to Seattle for a while. And
0: What year would did that they... have been?
2: Or era? Uh, I should know. Because I I did a bunch of coke and created a baby. Uh, Two thousand. <laughs> 2002, something like oh, that, okay. 2003. Uh huh. Like, I, I was know, in like I mean, I've I'm never close. done Coke, so you,
1: but I didn't know that's, you know, if you did enough Coke, you created a baby. I didn't know that's what happened. That's fascinating. It, that's how that works,
2: Joel. Uh, the uh, me, uh, sometimes I'm oblivious to things. And I used to make the joke that, uh, E, my, my child, uh, was, was a Coke baby. And so <laughs> one day they were like, uh, you know how that sounds, Dad, right? And I, was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I do.
1: Yeah. So, t- tell me about that transition from why Waverly to Seattle. Like, what what was it about Waverly and Lincoln that you're like, I'm going to see it. What what was that about? Or, or maybe was it like you're ready to get the hell out of Nebraska? Was that kind of the impetus to move to the Pacific Northwest?
2: Yeah, I mean. You of all people sitting in front of a Pearl Jam poster should know the allure of Seattle. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I just, growing up, so Waverly was a different place back then. It was actually more of a farming community as opposed to, uh, now it's kind of like a South Lincoln community, but not in the South. Um, so I hated it. Absolutely hated it. I couldn't get out quick enough. Nebraska was the worst place anyone could ever be Mm. um but then like coming back years later i've had this obsession with nebraska now especially western nebraska i really love it out there and would take anyone out there at any time unless you know i'm broke or uh my car's broke or my motorcycle's Mm -hmm. broke or whatever but i do love it out there Mm -hmm. i think everybody should uh explore nebraska more um if you think it's just kind of a garbage state there are cool things unless you're not an outdoors person then you know probably can't change your opinion there
0: western nebraska is beautiful toadstool park and oh, okay. fort rob and the sand hills and Merritt reservoir and all that mm-hmm.
1: i was just recently in ord for my 25 year class reunion and we we were driving <clears throat> on our way to to boulder to see dead and and then uh but you know the highway had to take us from ord to like oglala you know so we got to drive through all that and it was just perfect gorgeous and i i just i really have a lot of love for that being from ord you know that i always tell people when they're driving through on i-80 if you go 45 minutes north or south you're going to see a very different nebraska but the only one they're seeing is this is just wasteland a little bit along the interstate
0: and the occasional Absolutely. loves. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, depending on where you stop for gas, the occasional meth. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. But yeah, you are right. Like uh, I have a buddy, uh, Ricky who lives in Kansas city. He builds choppers and he has a friend in Salt Lake city. So he always comes through Nebraska and, talks about how it's the worst chunk of the drive and it it, having said i love nebraska it is a terrible drive it's a very boring no scenery sort of situation
1: if i'm if i'm honest i mean i always heard the lore that like yeah the drive in nebraska is bad but wait until you get to iowa or even like eastern colorado on either side and i'm like i'm if i'm honest I'm like, this is way more interesting to look at than the fucking I-80 in Nebraska, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I-80 <clears throat> in Iowa at least has
0: like hills and those cancer-causing windmill things.
1: Yeah, that killer <laughs> that are killing all the birds,
2: killing yeah. all the birds. Yeah, oh, man, is that what happened to me? That's,
0: that's what happened. What, to that's you, what
2: happened
1: to you, dude. It was
0: all the windmills. <laughs>
1: Stop putting those windows yeah. up your ass Matt you wouldn't have that. <laughs> I mean it was it was pretty amazing feat that you tried but that's maybe where that came from very well could be so tell tell us about Seattle you did a bunch of coke and made a baby but what what was that journey like
2: um the actual journey yeah, I, the actual had,
1: journey and the metaphoric journey perhaps
2: I had this uh are still have this 1970 Chevy back when you could C10 back when you could afford gas, and I drove that out there. So that was an experience in and of itself. But I don't know. <clears throat> There's it was just a weird time. I had been through treatment and went out there <laughs> went out there and moved in with a couple people who dealt. Um. So obviously it didn't go so well. At the same time, a friend of my kid's mother, I guess he's a friend of mine as well, fell off a cliff. in. Uh, he was camping and that sort of changed the trajectory of living in Seattle, uh, especially having just gotten there. And like Heidi being, the story might get confusing, my life story or whatever we're talking about There's two Heidis, I've only ever married Heidis You have a type <laughs> Or a yeah. name anyway um, But she was gone a lot So it was real easy to slip back into my old ways um, I lived in Wallingford um, Which is right on the U District And I would go There were two mo- or two bars The Blue Moon and the Rainbow and that's where I would go and drink and get my drugs and whatever. And then about the equal distance from my house to those bars going the opposite direction into the U district is where uh, Lane Staley uh, lived when he died. Mm. So I like to pretend that we got drugs at the same place, but I know that's not true. That's my like claim to Seattle fame. I, I guess.
1: mean, I bet there were probably some crossovers behind the curtain somehow.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just in the Wallingford neighborhood district. My sister lives out there. It's, it's a cool neighborhood. Yeah,
2: I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could kind of get to anywhere for mm-hmm. that. Um, but then the whole house moved out um, and me and Heidi moved to North Bend, which is in like the Snoqualmie area uh it's they have the original cafe where um David Lynch shot the pilot for Twin Peaks oh yeah and then like the drive that I took to our house was that that like iconic Twin Peaks sign curve in the road mountains in the background and being a Twin Peaks nerd I that it couldn't have been better right
1: did they have damn good coffee at that cafe
2: they did and pie and And pie. pie but But, you know, then then you get sober and you realize that it's probably not damn good coffee. It's probably like watered down Folgers or whatever (laughs) Costco's version of Folgers is. It's hot. Yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) It's hot coffee and they keep refilling it. Yep. So how long? So how long did you live in that part of the world in North Bend?
2: Um, it was it was like a year, I think, um. And we quickly realized that we weren't going to be able to raise a kid up there um, just because it is very expensive. Yeah, Uh, That's the only place I've ever really lived where it was truly paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. Um, I also wasn't doing very well at the time, you know, listening to a lot of Elliot Smith and recording these, like I want to die songs and drinking a lot of, johnny walker which is probably why i uh, lived paycheck to paycheck i I hadn't hadn't, i hadn't learned my lesson that you you buy like one step above rubbing alcohol you don't buy uh expensive stuff that's
0: funny i don't know if it's funny or not but writing i want to die songs my one of my old friends used to say that each whenever he tried to write songs it always came out like this i <laughs> <laughs> you were kind of uh, single minded in the i want to die endeavor?
2: I, me myself yeah you
0: yeah yeah at that yeah, time
2: yeah. yeah uh you know i couldn't get my shit together um yeah. i was having a kid i had no money so and i wish i could find this i have i always just refer to it as like a suicide ep or something but i think it's just been lost over the years there was like six songs that I recorded during that period in Snoqualmie area. Mm. Uh, I mean, they're probably awful. I mean, in every sense of the word, like lyrically, uh, musically, recording wise, all of it.
1: It'd still be amazing to hear that, though.
2: It's yeah, even even some of the stuff I've recorded, that's embarrassing. It's still it's still kind of neat, like. It just brings you back to like certain things. Like, uh, God, what was, the, was it the butthole surfers that song Pepper? Was that yeah. the big mm-hmm. hit? Mm-hmm. Like when I hear that song, I can like smell my high school car and like the shitty cigarettes that I smoked back then and my high school girlfriend's perfume, stuff like that. Yeah. So I'm sure maybe I wouldn't want to listen to that suicide EP if it's going <laughs> to bring that stuff back.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Music is, I just listen to um, I, I have you know, I have this insane, insanely long uh playlists on Spotify of all favorite, and I just whatever song comes to comes up, I throw it in there. So it's like 800 900 songs by now. And Sun Volt's song, uh, Windfall came up, and I just like I went snapped exactly back to like smoking Marlboro lights in my shitty Lincoln Zephyr in 1996, and it was just like. music has a way of just snapping you right back to a moment in time. Absolutely. So were you always playing music? Like, were you playing music in Nebraska before you moved out there? When did you start kind of writing and playing?
2: Um, I guess unofficially, I, uh, so I think, I think it was like 11 or 12. I was hanging out with my cousin. Uh, we used to skate, skateboard not roller skate uh (laughs) just have to i have to clarify that for my yeah uh, we need to know what camp you're
1: in because those roller skaters (laughs) were bad folks man
2: yeah or i'm just trying to prove how masculine i am too it's (laughs) like my equivalent of i don't know a truck with balls hanging from it (laughs) um but uh pat clinch uh Mm -hmm. an old friend he um gave us a dubbed copy of Fugazi's 13 songs. So like the minute that waiting room baseline came in, uh, I was just like, Oh man, this is, this is what I want. Cause before that it was all like, like sunshine, California poppy stuff, like mamas and papas and stuff. So I hadn't been exposed to anything in that vein. Um, So then I wanted to be a bass player. Um, but then I uh, I quickly learned that bass players are losers, and I just didn't want to do that. I'm just kidding. Bass players aren't losers. Um, but so a couple of years later, I started playing um, started playing guitar, which I think my parents were a little leery of because I I didn't last very long on trumpet. But, but um, so my cousin and I started this band called like wiener dogs from Mars. Um, yes. Yep. That was, it, it was a lot of, of, of cover songs. Um, and I have these old cassettes that I recently found that have us. It's awful. It's, but it's, but it's fun. It's, it's fun to listen to, but it's, it's not good. Right. Um. And then I think I was like 14 or 15 when I met a couple like-minded people out at Waverly and we started this like I don't even know who you would say influences were. It was like a noise punk band. So so all that like Sonic Youth stuff or Nirvana stuff, um Pixies, but then also stuff like on SST. So like the Minuteman and Firehose not to be confused with firehouse um <laughs> very different very different very very different <laughs> uh anything that and this is why bass players aren't losers but anything that contained mike watt who i think is fantastic i absolutely love mike watt um but i was in that band god we played until we were like 21 or something like that oh wow um and then i was just kind of over it uh but i i also started sleeping with uh, our bass player's ex-girlfriend which kind of messed everything up Ooh, yeah and then
1: Fleetwood mac situation there.
2: oh yeah except except we didn't keep going we just uh <laughs> you didn't you didn't fold that into the writing no no <laughs> um then i didn't do anything for a while and then i picked up an acoustic guitar after that and uh, my journey into Sad Bastard uh, began.
1: Nice. And you've perfected that Sad Bastard, Matt. I'm, I'm really proud of you.
2: Hey, thanks.
1: <laughs> Even though every time I talk to you, you're like the happiest motherfucker, like the, the Sad Bastard persona is still intact.
2: Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's, It's like that uh, high fidelity quote where, he's, where the movie starts. Um, but there's just something about sad music that is good regardless yeah. of the fact if i'm happy or not um there is other good stuff and i'm honestly i really want to do something different um and i've been talking to a few buddies but i just have played like finger picking quiet sad bastard shit for so long mm. it'd be fun to do anything again
0: well for the record some of the covers that you posted like on instagram during the pandemic some of my favorite music ever Mm -hmm. like you found a way to find humanity in some of the most inane songs (laughs) (laughs) right and not all were inane but i mean like just the way like the way that you interpret some of those songs is
2: really beautiful thanks yeah oh yeah I, uh, when I quit playing guitar and playing any sort of music, I, uh, did a deep dive into all that, like Nick Drake, uh, red house painters, Mark Kozlik, um, any of those sad bastard things that were just quiet, you know, bedtime music. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, there's the, uh, I think it's called, I should remember, but uh rock and roll singer, one of Mark cosmic albums. That's it's Bon Scott era ACDC covers, but Wait he a does minute. them.
1: What this, is, this, is Steve's, this is Steve's right pleasure center. Wheelhouse. You
2: just hit it. Yeah, right.
0: What, uh, what band was he in? Cause Dave Gracie just posted about that guy.
2: Um, uh, he was in, I'm actually going to look up if that album is right. Um, he was in the Red House Painters.
0: Yes. And, okay. Yep. Yep. And then um Yeah, I need to track that record down because I'm very, very curious.
2: <laughs> it's I really enjoy it. Um
0: is it serious or is it a complete this. put on?
2: No, it's serious. I mean it's it's his style. It's all of that. Uh okay. he did a uh he did a modest mouse one too. Oh wow under under the name Sunkill Moon. Uh, there's
1: there's something it, no, s- go ahead sorry
2: okay it's uh what's next to the moon not rock and roll singer oh that's what's a great song but it's all all bon scott era it's i love it but that changed my views on cover songs mm. mm-hmm. just sort
1: of the deconstruction of those high energy songs into something really soft and quiet yeah yeah because uh, i
2: Sorry, I'm real dry mouth right now. Coffee all morning is a terrible idea when you're about to do this.
1: That's what oh. I'm doing, Matt. It's it's you're so nervous being on such a high platform podcast. I get it. It's it happens to all of our. It's guests. a
0: lot. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, it is.
2: There's and a lot at stake here. No, I don't even know the, <laughs> what the question was that we were talking about. Oh, uh,
1: just the. Uh, the the mind-opening experience of that album showing you what could happen to covers, right? That you could take a high-energy song and break it down like that and bring out something else from it.
2: Yeah, and being alone or not having people to uh, do anything louder with, I guess, it just became the easiest thing to do was do these sad covers and, and being, so I have a pedal steel that I've owned for like 15 years and uh, never truly learned, but during the pandemic, I did sit down and actually start trying to learn it. But by playing sad bastard music, you can just add those little whale noises and stuff. So I did a lot of that. It just, it worked out good for uh, the stuff I was trying to do but now I'm focusing more on actually playing the pedal steel as opposed to just swells and whatnot for my money. It's the most beautiful instrument there is and one of the most difficult to play. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous to play. Um, Mm -hmm. I do enjoy that. And I could be wrong here, but it's, I feel like it's, it's the one true uh, American music or musical instrument, like, Mm -hmm. you know, there's American sounding instruments, but most of them came from different places. And sure. I, I don't know the history of, I've never gone down that wormhole, but it just seems like something that would be created by. So I feel uh, like yeah, it's with... in the
1: same, it's like that in the guitar, right? I mean, those are two really <laughs> important pieces. Well, I was, was going to say,
0: if you're getting into the pedal steel guitar, that means that you're get about ready to you know, start yourself a bro country
2: band. only if joel will uh rap
1: but you you and i right i'm in i've been waiting that's this whole setup dude that's the only reason i'm friends with you is that that we can make that happen
2: perfect yeah steve you and i'll uh can i play (laughs) bass yes loser exactly (laughs) yeah (laughs) hey i can
0: play some twangy guitar licks uh, since it's since it's we're gonna do modern bro country like I
1: don't you just play a couple like two solos i could act the shit out of that so if you guys put together like if we could break down oh boy standards into bro country you know songs oh and then I, and then i could i could i could put on i mean i could find my like my character like a kind of like a father john misty but the bro country version and totally live in that world i could fucking do that
0: so could, i'm in this Let's is go. this is where i know i've told joel this i don't know if you've heard this format but i saw a quote a number of years ago that said uh modern country music is just hip-hop for people who are afraid of black people <laughs>
2: oh it's, it's absolutely true yeah uh Yes, I've never heard that. That's kind of like the, and I don't think Waylon Jennings actually said it, but when he said, when he fakely said, or internet said, uh, Garth Brooks has done, Garth Brooks has done to country music what pantyhose did to finger banging or something like that. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like something an outlaw country singer would say, but I I don't think he actually... (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure you could check Snoop's or something.
1: That is a uh, uh. that is an intricate analogy that is absolutely right on.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> so tell us, I want to go back. I put a pin in the Seattle story. Like you were not in a good way. What brought did did kind of getting your act together and the fact that you were like trying to not live pay, paycheck to paycheck bring you back to the Midwest? Like what? How? Tell us about that because I know you mentioned use drug use substance use like what what eventually got you to the world of recovery if you don't mind my hard shift
2: uh well i i those who know me know that i rarely talk about about my recovery actually i talk about it way too much probably or or not i maybe i just tell the war stories um just knowing we couldn't raise a kid in seattle not because of what Seattle was, but just the cost. Um, We moved to St. Louis or right outside of St. Louis, um, which was way easier for me to not use because when you're in Troy, Missouri, um, you can't really find the things that I was into at the time. So quit using hard drugs, quit drinking at the time. Um, And I did that for quite a while until... We moved back to Nebraska, and and then I started playing in a band. I started drinking again, and and then I got sober after that. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't, you know, because it takes us all a but well, not all of us, but it takes a few tries. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just wanting to get my shit together, wanting wanting to be a parent after that whole shock and uh uh, am i going to be able to handle this am i going to be able to do this uh and i i never thought i would be uh in a good place or mature enough and uh i'm still not i think i'm in a good place but i'm definitely not mature enough and a few years ago when i turned 40 i just was thinking about like man i thought my dad really had his shit together but you know (laughs) Knowing my dad now and knowing me, maybe, maybe he didn't so much. I, uh, I mean, he had his shit together, but he tells like a lot of, well, no, I guess it's, he doesn't tell jokes similar to me, but <laughs> there is, there is things similar between us that I don't know where I'm going with this.
1: I, I just want to point out, like, you think that, you know, you're not, you're not matured or what you know don't have your shit together when i i've witnessed you and your kiddo hanging out and it's like what's cool is that you just let them be them and you you and there's no like auspices of like you know what i mean like i think that's really special i think that and steve does that with his kiddos like the folks that are just let their kids see who they are Mm -hmm. and be silly and goofy and be original and authentic is pretty cool and i've seen that with you and e
2: yeah. It's, a. Uh, I I mean, why wouldn't you really, I don't want to, I don't want to sit there and control who, who someone becomes, you know, my parents were always behind me with that sort of thing. Um, you know, you still have to be a parent, you still have to do right. things, but you can let someone, uh, do what they want to do. Like think that they're going to be in some world famous noise rock punk band which is obviously what the public wants <laughs> um but Some yeah i'm public all, true yeah. it's very true um but yeah there's no the only time i worried and felt like i wasn't going to be supportive uh there so since since e was i don't know 6 or so They've just always talked about being a veterinarian, mm. but there was a brief chunk of time when they were talking about YouTube a lot. And I was just like, Oh God, don't, don't tell me you're going to be an influencer. That's what you want to do. Um, But they never did. Mm. I just didn't think I could fully back that one. Or for the love of
0: God, don't become a podcaster. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Mamas. Don't let your babies grow up to don't be podcasters. Be podcasters. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to
0: think of when I first met you Matt and it seems like it was 20 years ago would that be correct it's 2023 2003 only if we
2: met when I was back visiting oh um, no
0: it would have been at you know one of the
2: places oh no that would have been actually so when I finally did get sober I went through the Independence Center and that's when holly was there oh Um,
0: sure that that would be our my wife and past guest holly
2: Urbauer. yeah and she and we don't know each other well enough i don't think for me to know this but one of your kids she had just had one of your kids or was having yeah and this was 15 or 16 years ago Mm yeah that's um, spot
0: on yeah okay
2: and then i started going to meetings so that's probably around the time so 15, yep. well, close to 20, I guess. Yeah. So
0: you were living in Lincoln when you decided
2: or were nudged into the IC? I was. Um, <laughs> for years, I thought that like my parents just showed up one morning and took me in. But I guess I uh, drunkenly called them and was like, I need help. <laughs> well, that's uh, good. Um, that's good. Yeah. Um, it's a great way to call the Independence Center, actually. <laughs> It was wild, like doing, working in this field now, it's uh, a lot of times there's weights to get into treatment, all that stuff. And mine was, we went in one day, they did my eval, I went to detox, and then I was in like three days later, something like that. So you, uh,
0: this may be a hard segue, but I do definitely want to talk about the work that you do. I I think we've established that you're bona fides. (laughs)
3: as far as you
0: know having been through kind of the ringer um you uh my my impression of what you do is that you work with the most vulnerable people in lincoln and try to connect them with services is that a,
2: a correct statement yeah um roughly 10 years ago i I was in I was I was doing the twelve step stuff uh and my sponsor at the time talked me into you know there's the independent center scholarship so I was gonna go in for my LADAC um and then I started working in a treatment center and it was suggested that I apply for this street outreach position because I was can... it
0: because was it because of the beard? <laughs>
2: Uh, it, it could have been absolutely, <laughs> but um, so I got it. I got into it that way. Um, I quickly realized I did not want to be a counselor, like, and no offense to any counselor, or therapist, any of that, but being out, being out with the unsheltered, and just having those conversations and getting paid to hang out with people was. Hmm. amazing and i just couldn't uh i couldn't manage or i couldn't be, even I'm, I'm doing it i'm i'm going through the like the brain fog of things i i just couldn't picture myself sitting in an office all the time yeah so and, you
0: is that a large part of what you do is just go be a presence
2: uh in theory a large part of what i do a large part of what i do is sit in an office at a computer ah. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah i get that just over the years um like the outreach started with just myself um then eventually more funding came in and there was another outreach worker and then i just kept pushing for different things and eventually two a year a year ago two years ago I wrote a grant which expanded the outreach team. So now there's four four outreach workers, uh, a part time outreach nurse, which is Lewis, who's never been on this show, but Sadie, who's been on this show, right? Her husband, hmm. um, and then there's a part time outreach therapist. Um, so the team's grown a lot since the start of things. Um, but yes, in theory sorry i keep i'm drinking too much and then i just get the
1: you can let a burp rip on our show yeah you're fine it's
2: it's true i'm sitting here (laughs) saying like fuck shit and all that and (laughs) i just want to be mindful of my of my gases um (laughs) (laughs) but uh just expanding things in the in the in that money that we got it still allowed me to Do administrative stuff but still get out and do outreach which is what I really love Um, and I think that's what punk rock and being picked on and all of those wonderful things from my past that that I experienced I think that just helped me advocate more Mm. you know I'm I'm just I don't want to take no for an answer or if you say something can't be done it's it's an immediate fuck you and i want to make that thing happen um so
1: there's been some there's been some recent developments with you and the city and lpd and all of that i mean do you feel like that's can you talk a little bit about that because i don't want to miss that and also like is that the culmination of the fuck you like or do you see this thing kind of being a step towards the ultimate fuck you or you know where are you at with that can you talk about what what's happened with the mayor and LPD and then what what do you see is the benefit of this and what's the work still be to, to be done
2: um so <clears throat> within that expansion it, it it allowed for me to push for this more but <clears throat> um officer Melissa Ripley and I have talked about this a, a different way of approaching how homelessness is criminalized um just a softer approach and this was years and years ago like blymeister was chief at the time and the first time i talked to him it was basically an instant shutdown like this isn't going to happen we're not doing this um but we continued to work on it continued to talk to people about it um michon who's now chief She joined in when she was still a captain, and we would talk about these co-responder methods like they have um, in Oregon and Colorado, other places. Um, So that was giving more ideas. And Teresa Ewings came in as chief, and she was on board for a while. We had everything, like program plan, everything written up, and she said no. So, uh, So obviously I was grumpy. Cause she had pushed for it, but then at the last minute was like, nah, we're not gonna do this. Um cool. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um her big thing was like a safety concern. Like she didn't want civilians going out on these dispatched calls. But in my mind, it's like, well, do you know what I fucking do every single day? This is this is no different than what the whole outreach team does. Um so when she left and maro took over i was like oh man this is this is basically happening now um so what it is i better better take another drink before i start yeah. all this um you guys can hum or something so there's no dead air <laughs> that was great
0: <laughs>
2: Ding. um Melissa and I were very adamant about not wanting a police presence you know you can show up with an officer and ruin everything that you've been working on so we created this model where people call in 911, non-emergency, whatever and if there's not a uh A lot of them are welfare checks, but if it's not a situation where they're worried about the individual, then they'll send us out. Or if it's not a dangerous situation, they'll send us out. um, And we just respond by ourselves, do whatever we need to come back, you know, we document all that for ourselves, but also for just to prove that this method is going to work, um, And I do think eventually Lincoln might have a co-responder method where therapists or peer support or whoever goes out with LPD, but that is a completely different thing than when you're dealing with unsheltered individuals. Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to, you know, cut back on the criminalization, like cut back on tickets, cut back on jail time, just in general, cut back on any of that sort of thing um well it sounds like what you're talking about is humane treatment absolutely it's it's just a a much softer way to approach things Mm -hmm. um and so far it's it's been great um just connecting with people there's a there's a lady that there's a lot of calls on her and We've just her and I have just started joking that I'm her alarm clock because it's usually her sleeping and then I show up at whatever, eight o'clock, seven thirty, wake her up, make sure she's okay, and then we sit and talk and joke about stuff for a while. But it is great and it's cool to see whether you uh whether you appreciate the mayor or not, or whether you appreciate uh Chief Morrow or not. It has been cool to watch all of us sort of come up like watching larian go from city council to mayor watching sean go from a captain to chief um there's other people that i'm forgetting but there's just this group of us who've all grown um so it was really cool when the mayor did that announcement just looking at all of us and seeing like man this is we did it guys Mm
1: is oh. there some i mean there's one thing to like announce that stuff and, and kind of support the work you've already been doing i would hope that this are, are are is the police and the city seeing the benefit already and do they do they see this as something that can grow and continue or the, i mean you know some of that shit politically can just look like a victory lap right but you know is there support for this to expand and continue and are they are they seeing the results that they are they surprised by the results
2: there is support within agencies within within lpd um and within the businesses that we've gone out on most of them have been very supportive of the idea um politically you know even if you're not like a like a left-leaning person if you're more conservative there's still the other the other side of things right like there's we're saving the city money we're saving all of this shit but Mm -hmm. uh, the there's still always going to be like why why can't you just go arrest them Um, Mm -hmm. and really if they're not doing something wrong they're not doing something wrong. You know, there's, there's different laws in, that deal with, I hate to say that homelessness and they are, if someone's following them, there's no reason to do anything about it. You know, maybe, maybe you think they're not you guys, but maybe, uh, maybe you think they're an eyesore or just this huge issue uh, when it's not really, I mean, it's just people, people who have, for whatever reason, something's happened to them and they're out on the street and that's not, you know, there's a, there's a stigma of everyone who's unsheltered looks like Matt Martinowski, you know, uh, big beard. That's, that's my favorite. <laughs> there's this unsheltered guy. He, uh, can he you describe him? <laughs> can you describe him? And, and then it's like, yeah, he had a beard and, uh, you know, he <laughs> kind of looked dirty and he was just sitting there and I was like, well, that's me right now. He was wearing a seed
1: hat. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> that, um,
0: that gives you some credit in some circles. <laughs> it, it
2: does. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's no reason. Like, I've been in meetings where some people might be complaining about people being in a park uh, and then they go on to say something like, you know, parks are meant for everybody. So why, why can, why are these people here and why? (laughs) Yeah. You know where I'm going. Um, It just, it it makes no sense. What it boils down to is it's a real buzzkill. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying to have fun. On our picnic or barbecue or whatever. There's this
0: almost person over there.
1: Almost person.
2: I mean, that's you're. I mean, that's hitting the nail on the head. There's. I have heard some of the shittiest things said about humans about the unsheltered, and Mm. it's. Anytime that happens, I think there's a huge education piece that needs to be brought up with everyone um because it's just it's ridiculous to think that way um
1: well it's it's this it's this idea that th- being a person who is unsheltered is a crime and that's just not true right yeah. it's not against the law to be unsheltered well
0: here's here's the thing is i think that there's a uh, an idea that if you are unsheltered that it's your fault yeah it's your fault you have obviously committed some grave error or a series of grave errors and that may be true due to things like addiction uh lack of a support network desperate people making desperate choices um like it's it's very easily to become i think for people that are on solid footing financially that it's very easy to cast that stone and just say, well, they're losers.
2: Yeah. It's always, it's always drinking and drugs. It's always, that's right. That's what I I hear. And it's not the case. It couldn't be mental illness. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Who's going. Okay. I'll keep going. Go, go, go. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. It's, it's, and it's not just the people that you see, like there are, so many people that I've worked with that you would never know that they were unsheltered. I mean, they look just like anyone else. I've worked with people who used to be bankers. I've worked with a college professor. Um, I'll work with you, Joel. Uh, cause that seems to be the way college professors, uh, I mean, just, yeah, just the That's one, the... Yeah, but it is, I mean, it's, it's
1: possible. That's the thing though. It's like, it's a joke, but like, it, you know, I'm, I'm too, situations out of my control away from being unsheltered and so to to marginalize that group and say that they're just the pariahs and the scourge of our community is to deny that that's also us like that, that that's the separation and i think it's really cool the work that you're doing because it's it's important for us to remember that we can't just lift up and build new things and have cool downtowns and build new fucking apartment buildings and, and, football stadiums. and football stadiums and tear down pershing auditorium and say that you know our community is improving without and then say but we need to get rid of this community problem and like, what that's it, to so, me
0: that's it's part of that uncomfortableness is that it's a uh, like well look at all the great football stadiums we have but then you see on un, 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 unhoused people, and it's just this mirror of it's just too much reality. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's just too much reality. And it's really, really getting in the way of my construct of the way the world is. And I just that's what the actual problem is. Mm. Like I don't wanna have to acknowledge the fact that our society is unjust. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I don't, yes. I don't,
0: that's just, uh, you know I'm just trying to have a n- nice afternoon here, and I just don't want to have to deal with this. Yep. So if you could just get rid of that, that externality, that'd be super great.
2: Everybody wants everything clean and shiny. I uh, yes. It's like city included. Like oh, this building's well Pershing. Oh, it's old and. We'd, it's an eyesore. We got to get rid of it and build some ugly a for, modern a, building.
0: A four in one, another one. Yeah,
2: with like <clears throat> with like a fake fake stone facade and right. You know, it'll need repairs in 10, 10 years or whatever. And I have never gone anywhere. <clears throat> Sorry, I've never been Fine. anywhere or listened to anybody who went on a trip and they're like, Oh, we found this really great part of town. There was, there was a strip mall and you know, there were no trees because the new construction tore them all out. And we just had a great time.
3: <laughs>
2: it's, it's always, <clears throat> it's always like the old parts of town or, or there's so many trees in St. Louis, but I'm, now we're just moving away from unsheltered stuff. But,
1: well, it, but it's, I think it speaks to the whole idea of, that if you want your community to thrive, you have to consider the entire community. And if you're using the police, I'm going to get on a little bent here, but if if you're using the police as what they originally started as is essentially, you know, kidnapped hunters, right? To hunt the kidnapped or the the enslaved. And then, then you're using them as, you know, just crowd control for people that you don't want in your park. then that attitude bleeds out into the way things look and buildings that get torn down and just like I don't want to see reality or I don't want to see history I just want everything to be squeaky clean and if if the law could just reflect my desires that would be great and it's like that's (laughs) not the fucking point of a community
2: absolutely not I mean everyone should be included you know I, I understand that there's a fear of, of talking to anyone dealing with mental health issues. But realistically, there's realistically, there's no difference from an unsheltered person being downtown yelling about something. Like he's in his own reality or he or she or they or whatever are in their own reality yelling about something. Uh and then you go to a fucking Chick-fil-A and some lady's sandwich is cold. So she starts fucking yelling at someone else. Like there is no difference there. Yeah. Honestly, I'd probably be more afraid of that situation than any unsheltered situation.
1: I totally agree. It's. Um, I I am, I am encouraged and I guess. uh, What is, what is the takeaway for the people that aren't doing that work? Like how can we. How can we lift up support, uh, help the work that support that response versus the law enforcement response? I know they're kind of the same thing now, but you know what I mean? Like, how can we be better community members to put you, your team uh, to work rather than uh, like use the cops as a behavior management tool? Like, what can we do?
2: Mm yeah um in terms of the program uh just specify like you know they're not necessarily doing anything wrong i want to make sure they're okay um and then if you are calling dispatch those will come to us Uh, and and that's that's a huge change having one outreach worker come out and talk to you as opposed to two officers every time it's two officers coming out on unsheltered calls um community wise though it's you know it's just treating people like humans um saying hi don't do that bullshit where you walk by and ignore someone or you like put your hands in your pockets and then you like turn them out and you're like well sorry and then just keep walking um if you spent five to 10 minutes sitting there with someone you will experience something that is i mean it's devastating you're you are nothing you are an invisible you're an invisible human until they're at a distance and then you're just like a dirty problem you know Mm -hmm. but if if someone's walking by you you are completely ignored and it's it's just a Even saying hello is an amazing thing. It's you're recognizing someone you're being a part of their day.
1: In a previous life, I worked at a church and we would do some, some support of our downtown neighbors. And I encouraged the youth to think about them as neighbors, not homeless, quote unquote. And I remember sitting down with somebody and they, did they describe that? And they like, I started to believe I was actually invisible because nobody would recognize, nobody would acknowledge me. And they very, in a very real way, began to wonder if they existed, like not in a metaphoric poetic way, but in a literal way. And I'm like, well, of course, if you are, if you are completely erased or tried to be erased, and then the cops get called, called on you to erase you, then you start to wonder, am I really here?
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, yes it's it's a very real thing and going back to how you started that uh that church that you were working at um hmm. as <laughs> as an angry recovering catholic uh it's i often don't say very kind things about churches um uh, but they do still help in any way they can they've been They've been really good for the downtown unsheltered community. Good.
1: That's mm. good to hear. I mean, I don't yeah. work with them anymore and really don't attend, but I'm I'm thankful to hear that even with the changing of the guard, they still recognize that they are a, a place of refuge, hopefully in the downtown area. You know, when yeah. most churches decide to move out of downtown and build some airport in the South part of Lincoln, <laughs> you know, like,
2: yeah. Even I think, I don't know if he was right after you left, but whoever took your spot, I believe, um, he wound up coming to where I work and he was doing case management for a while. Nice. So he, he got in and was doing things as well. It's, it's cool. That is cool.
1: Um, we didn't even cover any, anything else, but (laughs) we're getting close to like kind of our, our winding down time. Um, what a what a honor Matt to have you on. Um I feel like we could talk for another hour. Um at least. Yeah. Uh make it,
2: make it like a like a double platinum episode.
1: Ooh. Yeah. Double live. Yeah. <laughs> yep what's going on in your life right now like what do you are you making music are you how's all the thing how's the health stuff going um I don't know I mean that's a that's a lot to shove in at the I was end gonna of say episode
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no. go ahead see
0: well I, I mean what the hell we can make we can make this as a special episode if you have the time and the wherewithal Matt because I mean I do think that it should be acknowledged that you're doing the work that you do under what could be considered adverse health circumstances
2: yeah I Mm -hmm. uh yes uh health wise so may may 3rd 2021, I found out I had stage four, uh, colorectal cancer. Um, so, you know, all up in my butthole and in my, in my liver. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was like the first week was truly awful, you know, just a lot of crying and that sort of thing. Um, but then I started connecting with friends and got out of that. And for the most part have been, pretty good with everything. Um chemo's no joke. It's uh, fucking awful. Um, but it's, you know, necessary. It it helped. Well, it helped, then it didn't help. And then we switched and then it helped to the point of it was only in my liver. Um, And the last I knew it was still only in my liver. I have scans on Friday, which are the first scans I've had in months. So, We'll see. And normally on all of this stuff, I'm very like, um, well, you know, whatever's there is going to be there. I can't change that. But this time for, I don't know if I want to say the first time, but I do have a bunch of anxiety over what happens. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I dread the idea of doing treatment again. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's awful. And I feel good for oh. once, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, but
0: yeah. When you say it's just in your liver, I mean, that's good, but the liver is kind of important and you can't, well, are you, this is like a transplant situation or what is, what the, what does that look like?
2: Uh, they, they haven't really said <clears throat> transplant like that has never come out. Uh, my liver is just <clears throat> riddled with lesions um so i don't know there there were a few different things that we've talked about uh but we went with the y90 treatment which they they go up through my thigh and they inject these radioactive glass beads they go to my liver and basically sort of suffocate those the blood flow to the lesions wow just to, to stop growth uh-huh However, uh, I was supposed to do two treatments of that, and the first one gave me radiation-induced liver disease, which is why I haven't been on any treatments for a while. Um, like I said, I'll find out more Friday uh, in two weeks. Well, I get the scans Friday, and then the week after I'll probably know more. But it is, you know, being being someone in recovery uh and having the past that i've had there was always those jokes about like wow ah, one day my liver's going to kill me and you know that's a <laughs> it's a very real possibility now but you know i've a long time ago i became okay with whatever the outcome is obviously there's one outcome i'd prefer right but but uh it's i hate to say it is what it is but that's that's how it is. There's a really good like Willie Nelson clip uh where he kind of talks about that. Um which Willie Nelson helped me a lot through all this. He uh just listening to him talk. Um, Willie's
0: good for that.
2: Yes, he is. I mean, mm-hmm. fuck, he has a hundred years of knowledge
3: mm-hmm.
2: or or whatever. Um wisdom. But, yes. There have been a ton of great supports though you know it was extremely humbling when i pushed back really hard on any financial help um but then someone started to go fund me and within like 3 days it was at 20,000 and that that allowed me to afford to live for 2 years um that's that's all gone now um but it's still that outpouring is uh, I, I just, I, I I don't like this direction where we're going when I'm talking about myself, but it, it shows me like the difference I've made and the, the effect I've had on people's lives, even the unsheltered people I work with. uh, They'll ask how I'm doing, uh, how Mm. cancer is, how treatment is. It's, it's incredibly humbling to know all that.
0: Hmm. Well, man, um, it's incredibly humbling to know you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, you're I, I mean, we don't we're not super tight or anything like that, but we've known each other for a long time. And, you know, I've followed your trajectory and the work that you do and, uh, you know, and just going on that Johnny cake ride with you was fantastic. And like, that's such a cool thing, you know, talk about like packing things into the stream of life, you know, you're kind of the embodiment of that. And so, um, I tip my hat to you, but I got headphones on and I just don't want to mess things up, but, uh, uh, you're, uh, it's just a a thrill and an honor to get to talk with you and, and, and know that, uh, I know you know this. I don't need to blow smoke up your ass, but like people love you, you know?
2: And uh... which just it's kind of weird to me. I mean, oh, yes. hey, I get that. I get it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, yes, I gener genuinely care. Um, it's not that I, I hate people. I, I I use hate a lot, but it's not necessarily hate. Yeah. Um, but what society has done to people um so i am very much like the grumpy old man who yells at the sky uh but because of uh my personality uh my i not this personality that we're experiencing now but the other version it kind of blows my mind that when people say nice things
0: well that's I, the, I'll that's never, the thing I'll
1: never go,
2: go ahead. ahead joel
1: I was
0: going to say that. that, God damn it!
1: (laughs) Well, I love that because we can like no, go ahead, and then we both start. Mine
0: is quick. Like that's what grace is. Mm Yeah. Okay, Joel, go absolutely.
1: I was going to say I was the the Ben Harper song "Roses for My Friends" all came into came into my head when that time, like, because the lyric is, uh the stones for my enemies; these wounds will mend, but I cannot survive the roses of my friends." from my friends and I'll never forget you showing up of my house, like, like still COVID restriction distance. And we stood outside and you told me you had cancer. And I was like, I always had love for you. And I thought you were almost too cool for school. I was like, and you came and you talked to me and you told me face to face that you were, you were sick. And I was like, I was humbled that I was in that, that group of people that you wanted to know and it just lit a fire from in me for you and i think that that just goes to show that like we we need to and you were an example to me of like let the people that you love and respect know that you love and respect them because our time here is fleeting none of us gets out of here alive we're all gonna die of something and if you don't express that and and try to kind of grasp onto that however you can whether you have cancer or not uh, then you're missing some real juice of life and then that was just a real moment where I was like holy shit I love Matt and he he wanted me to know this uh, make the most of whatever is going on because uh, it's and that hit at a time too where I felt I felt more afraid from of people than I ever did And that was a huge moment. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I am honored to have been in that group. And I, I remember I was telling Kirsten, I was like, I, I don't know why he told me that, like, I, I, you know, (laughs) holy shit. Like, and it just, it just meant a lot that you told me you had ass cancer, Matt.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Any chance to talk about my ass.
1: (laughs) That's what it was about. (laughs)
2: but but you are right i mean everyone's gonna die that's there's no way around that that's gonna happen um like i almost feel like i'm quoting willie right now like you could die tomorrow i could die tomorrow the the difference for me is like i have a a punched ticket um it's not one way well it is one way since we all die um but you know you guys as far as i know you're you're on a, a one-way flight where this probably isn't gonna go right um whereas i have that ticket punched maybe maybe i have a layover uh in uh hospice and then i go or whatever I, what i'm saying is i have i know what could get me as mm-hmm. opposed to just the surprise of it all like that right. gift of what's gonna happen hmm
1: And and that is, and I see, and I see it and maybe I'm wrong, but what I see Matt is that you have the recognition of that and the acceptance of that has, has allowed you to kind of see things clearer. I don't know if that's true or not, but there's something beautiful and wonderful about all of us really embracing and accepting that inevitability that allows us to, enjoy something just a hair more or be a little more kind to another person or enjoy a bike ride with a little more gusto or pet our dog with a little more love i mean that's that's the juiciness of life and it only comes when we're not ignoring the reality
2: yeah it's i mean full-on enjoy everything there's there's no reason not to um i had some grumpy periods where you find out you have cancer, people find out you have cancer, and then everyone's there, right? Uh, More so than you've ever experienced. Um, And then people start disappearing. Um, So I had a lot of anger over that. It was, you know, you say you're fucking here for me and you're not here for me. But the reality is, is you're just all this outpouring of support is dumped on you and then it does ebb and flow um so you kind of feel like you've been left like you kind of feel like you've been abandoned uh, abandoned um but really that's not the case but i could also have reached out to people as well so the anger is diminished or and the depression has diminished There. I know I said I'm okay with it, but then when you sit there and you feel alone, it's obviously gonna bone um, you out. Yeah.
0: My yeah. friend uh and past guest, uh Seth Montecuello that passed away from brain cancer last summer, his uh um oldest daughter as a way of dealing, because they dealt with that. I mean, Seth had type four glioblastoma, which is pretty fast acting. And uh he outlasted, he lived longer than 90% of people with that live um so long enough to see that what you just described like there's the initial outpouring and then it just kind of tapers off and so uh his oldest daughter started a a foundation called fuel for the fight that helps families dealing with long-term illness um it picks up kind of after the first year hmm. to kind That's of cool. yeah I mean what a way to for a a teenager to channel grief Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying like she saw a need and started this deal and i'm not sure what like how active it is because she's a busy person you know but i mean like that's she and a a friend who had they met in a support group uh because their parents were sick you know so they started this thing and i just thought what i mean that so that's find the need and 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 fill it You know, I I just thought, what, what an incredibly cool thing, because that, that's real, you know, and I should, I was guilty of that with Seth, we get busy, you know, and really once the treatments kick in and everything's kind of stabilized and it's just back to regular life, you know, Mm -hmm. and then when it became obvious that he, you know, we are kind of getting towards the end, then people started rallying back around the family again, you know, um, so you know it's like that sort of sickness is it's just hard yeah it's just hard and and there's no way around it but through it
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely i uh (laughs) a foundation is much better i uh one of the higher-ups where i work we've joked that because you know i Funerals and all of that are for people, and I don't know that I would want one if I were to go now. Um, but she she always jokes that they would create like a uh, like a golden tribute toilet to go with my ass cancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started as a as a tribute, like porta potty, like a. <laughs> but the toilet thing is is pretty good. A know. golden oh bidet. There that.
0: you go golden
2: bidet I, is
1: yeah. he
0: that having see I think uh, a dark sense of humor is kind of critical to getting through tough times
1: hundred percent yeah oh,
2: well yeah I mean I mean I'm I'm Gen X so I don't know anything else just like sure. dark humor and sarcasm that's <laughs> right isn't that how we live
1: yes it's the it's yeah it's the blood in our veins
2: yeah, good yeah
1: Lord. I, I would I would put a good chunk of change on a golden bidet for matt's past <laughs> cancer that's right I mean, we should get that together so you can use it before you go i mean fuck right. it you may you may live to be 86 dude but you know you deserve you deserve a gold shitter more than trump <laughs> does let's be honest
2: 100% i uh, man i just kind of like laughed like you steve you, uh, you
0: you might you might be able to get one of those trump gold shitters at a discount here in the not too distant yeah! future
2: <laughs> fire <laughs> sale very very true <laughs> I feel like I feel like those would be extremely cold to sit on, though. Yeah, Well, know. maybe, there's, maybe sh- they it's make no warmers. different.
1: Warmers just put like a block heater around it. <laughs> Dude, gold, though, gold like fucking melts pretty quickly. Right. Like you. Don't,
0: oh, yeah. You don't want it to too hot out. Well, the, OK, that's a that's a puzzle for another podcast.
1: Yeah, we need to, it's, yeah, it's we need to get a, a scientist on to figure out how to make that golden shitter. But warm it have a warmer. <laughs> And that, and that the water can be the water temperature that blows into your asshole needs to have, you know what I mean? <laughs> Is there flavored bidets? That's what I want. Uh, like, Can you get a scent?
2: I mean, I wish there were flavored bidets. Cause when I first hooked mine up and turned it on, it just blasted me in the face as I was like trying to figure it out. <laughs>
1: You're supposed and to then... sit on it, Matt. It's not a <laughs> drinking fountain, dude. I
2: wanted, I wanted to make sure it worked. I didn't realize the knob was like <laughs> zero to a thousand. Uh, <laughs> It's but like then, a fire hose. It's just open it up, baby. And I had never used one. And then I wound up sitting down and trying it and straight into my asshole. Like <laughs> first shot. And I came out of the bathroom and I was like, I I don't know if I can do this, Heidi. That was that was a strange thing. And now I hate it if there's not one around.
1: That's like, yeah, hmm. man, you can get those, you know, aftermarket like attachments, right? And just.
0: I man. This just came up. Actually, this is this is timely and relevant you you there has to be an electrical outlet by your toilet oh yeah there mm. is an electrical outlet by your toilet then you're kind of shit out of luck or you're running an, an extension cord and that could be unsightly hmm.
1: <laughs> very very true. Yeah. My shitting office is very near where I'm sitting and the plug is a is on the other side like the wall you know what I mean like it would have to be
2: we gotta figure this out clearly. You own a home. Just do whatever you want. That's Just true. K- kick a hole through well, the wall and run it. Yeah. Owns a home
0: with, yeah. with, okay. another, with another person that may need to sign off on the yeah. modification.
1: That's very true. I'll mm-hmm. hire somebody to do that. We're like Sign off is- on the modification? No, do the work. I'm not. Oh. Doing that. <laughs> oh. Yeah. That I'm not that guy, sense. Steve. <laughs> uh uh, what do you what do you love, Matt? Like what do you what are your music? top what's your music mount rushmore like what are your top three or four all-time musicians artists
2: well uh well first off we're really we're really doing this huh we're just we're just going and going
0: yeah well Well, yeah
2: we're you know
0: it's a fucking podcast we can do whatever we want it's our (laughs) podcast yeah don't
2: it's it's very true um that's one of those i've thought about this for years you know because things things can ebb and flow depending on your mood or any of that uh things that have always been a part of my musical taste are tom waits um nick cave who i get to go see in another month um which i went and saw him in brooklyn with my best friend ethan uh like a year ago and just bawled my eyes out. It's I just love Nick Cave. Um, Nick Drake, he's always, you know, three albums and dead. And I feel like what he accomplished is just also beautiful. Um, And then Willie Nelson has always been a huge thing. Like my, my first musical memory is before those little rat bastard brothers of mine came along. We were on a family trip. (laughs) Yeah, we're on this family trip. And, uh, you know, it's my dad driving his truck. My mom's on the other side and I'm in the middle. And uh, On the Road Again comes on, on this cassette, like Willie Nelson's Greatest Hits or something. And I just, I sat there like looking at the cassette and I would make my parents play that song over and over and over. So he's always been in heavy rotation. But Sonic Youth is a huge one for me, too and that's it's it's a weird thing like going back previously to talking about mark kozlik um and then now sonic youth the people the guitarists that have had an influence on me so thurston moore and lee ronaldo from sonic youth and then nick Drake, uh mark kozlik uh (laughs) that whole thing about never meet your heroes uh is is pretty true like Mark Kozlick is a fucking dick. Yeah. He's, he is a shitty person. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, Thurston Moore, I met him at South by Southwest one year when I was with down there with Head of Femur. And uh, he was fine, you know, but he didn't really talk much. Um, but then I went to a Lee Ronaldo solo show in Chicago, and that dude was one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Like he talked to me, he talked, he's like, you drove here from Nebraska. And we talked about all that. We talked about Nebraska and he is just an extremely wonderful person. Hmm. Oh.
0: That's uh, a yeah. head of femur is one of my favorite local LPs.
2: Oh, it's are So I've, good.
0: I love that record. I, I know they um, are. I know Ben just a little bit and he's a super swell dude. And, uh, that uh, he's playing drums with Ezra tonight, opening for Guar Actually, which is mm-hmm. kind of far out. Uh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love that. That record's just beautiful.
2: Yep. The uh, all of those dudes are great. I that tour was a lot of fun. There's, there's still things I think about fondly from that tour. Where did we, you play?
0: Were you playing Head of Famer?
2: I. I didn't start out that way. I went as kind of like a, like a merch van driving situation. Yeah. 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 Um
0: Important but then by,
2: by the end of the tour, I was, I was doing percussion stuff, um, Nice. which was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's cool. Ben said
0: they're putting out and doing another thing.
2: I just oh, I saw so. him recently. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I hope they are.
1: I listened to one of I think probably their first record and I had no idea they were local. And I thought that was the fucking coolest thing in the world. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, these guys are from Lincoln. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I, it was, it was really like space and time shifting for me when I, when somebody's like, yeah, they're from here. I know. And I was like, wait, what? Cause I was listening <laughs> to them as if they were some, you know, yeah, yeah. Cool indie band from New York or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, they were living in Chicago at the time, but yeah. they were all from here. Right. Yes. And they were all from like amazing bands in the past. Yeah. So, yeah, those guys are great. Mm-hmm.
1: So great those are names. your bona fides. Those are your Mount Rushmore. What's What's one surprising um, uh, musical guilty pleasure right now?
2: Right, right now in this right moment. Right now, right now, that, in this right, right now. now. That, that fucking new Doja Cat song. <laughs> uh, I can't even think of the name of it, but that shit is. How do I, I'm looking it up shit, right now. That, that was not what I expected banging. you to say. Yeah, I think sure most people wouldn't. It's a. Uh, I can't think of what it's called. Paint
1: the town red?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's just, you know, like a poppy song, but yeah. I either like really weird shit or real, real poppy. That's real, though. Yeah. I think as I, you know, having
0: queen daughters, like I hear some pop stuff and like i've i've never like if if pop, if it's a good pop song then it's good even if yeah. it's a pop song don't care oh right. yeah. yeah yeah bring it joel and his love for kesha comes to mind
1: i love kesha i know yeah. fucking dude <laughs> i love kesha from from the very beginning when she was talking about brushing her teeth with jack daniels to her <laughs> most recent stuff that's like post you know fucking sexual assault by her producer fucking shit like her song him oh i yeah i mad love for kesha mad love
0: this is a little bit of an aside but speaking of pop stars like i just watched the bradley cooper lady gaga star is born a couple weeks ago oh yeah i thought that was great lady gaga killed it she was awesome she was amazing she was great
2: i have yet to see it honestly it's good.
0: It's That's, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's amazing, like top 10 ever, but it, Bradley Cooper was great. And Lady Gaga was amazing. Like she can act yeah, on top of being able to sing. And it was a very human performance. I thought it was just fantastic. Like I, my respect for her whoop, way up there.
1: Yeah, it's mm-hmm. really good. It, I think it would have been even more mind blowing if it was like that was the first iteration of that you know what Agreed. i mean like if yeah. you know but cuz they had a lot to kind of improve on i guess from that that movie but it was fucking awesome
2: yeah really yeah. dug it yeah it's still on my list but that list yeah just it was kind of one of those masters. things i was fl-
0: i was just kind of scrolling through the whatever inner tv webs and i thought you know yeah okay we'll do this tonight and i'm very glad that i did Maybe i I'll had have to i, watch had, it I had i had middling expectations and It was, it was just very much time well spent. So anyway, Matt, speaking of time well spent, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the trying to be better podcast. I feel like it's been, you know, a long time coming and we certainly appreciate you being amongst our dozens of fans.
1: Um. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, man, it's a real honor. I think you might, you might've hit the longest, the longest conversation which I'm grateful for. So Yeah.
2: yeah. No, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Um, and we didn't even get to the Muppets or hey. the fucking shitty-ass John Mayer. Yeah, that guy sucks. The Muppets on I the can't other hand wait.
1: do not. The Muppets don't suck. John Mayer is a pop genius, so...
2: Uh, <laughs> shots fired. Let's <we'll> see. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about this later.
1: Cool. Well, All you right. are welcome back anytime, <laughs> Matt, to continue on this conversation man and um if there's updates or interesting things that we need to know about with the work you're doing with the unhoused or if you want to come back and rag on mayor i'm happy to do that
2: i mean I, i could spend half an episode ragging on mayor and half an episode praising jim henson so
1: i love it i'm in i'm here for it that's the content we're looking for that's right that's right yeah.
2: Well, although everybody's probably listening, and they're like, "Jesus Christ, another hour and a half."
1: Uh, you, you might be surprised. I think our numbers yeah. are going to be high for this one. Yeah. People love you. We love you, and thank you for taking the time.
2: Yeah. yeah love you guys. Right. Later.
1: Yeah. Later. later. Bye.
3: Oh, <laughs>
2: forget.